For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn. Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group will be your guides for straight talk and honest answers about living the life you deserve in retirement. So So prepare prepare to be empowered. Now, here are your show me the money hosts, Randy Floyd, Jake Floyd, and Jeff Shade. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd, Floyd Financial Group. And I'll start with you, Randy. How are you doing this fine Saturday morning? Doing very well, Jeff. How about you? I am doing great. And Jake, need I ask, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff. Thanks for asking. Certainly welcome. I hope everybody listening to us is doing well today, too. According to the calendar, gentlemen, it is the 9th of December. Can it be that Christmas is but a little more than two weeks away? I don't know about you guys, but as I get older, the Christmas season just doesn't seem as much like the Christmas season. We really haven't had a lot of snow lately. How do you guys feel about Christmas? Is the town all decorated? I mean, do you indeed have the holiday spirit? We definitely do here, Jeff. We always decorate the office and we always decorate our house and all that. In fact, I will tell you that it's becoming contagious because this year I've noticed that after we've been doing this year in and year out, my neighbors have actually gone out and put up lights <laughs> this year, and actually they are starting to eclipse what I'm doing. Oh my god! I got to up my game for next year. <laughs> You're gonna have to. It's sort of like the Griswolds on that Christmas vacation movie, you know, when Clark plugs in the house. and all. That is one of my favorite houses. This time of the year, you've got to quote uh, Christmas vacation at least eight times. But nevertheless, yeah, my neighbors have put up the lights, too. But I don't want people to forget what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. Certainly, we, we put up lights and we give gifts and so forth. But that's just a byproduct of what the real reason for Christmas is all about. And, Randy, I have taken a, a page from your book and that my wife and I are picking a family this year, and we're going to be buying them a tree and a Christmas dinner and some Christmas gifts. Now, that's something that you've been doing for a while, right? Yeah, we've done that through not only through church, but we've tried to help people around in the community that we know that, you know, are probably not going to have a Christmas unless they have some help from somewhere. Honestly, you know, it's just, it's really something that's fun to do. And right. many times we even do it anonymously where they don't know where it came from. And that makes it even better, I think, to to watch the results and to know, you know, because of that, some people are going to have a holiday they might not have had otherwise. Yeah. So remember that. And if you can help somebody out this Christmas, I mean, I know that the Salvation Army is out in front of every store that you go through. But again, I dig down in my pockets and I'll put a little something in their bucket every time I go in and out of the store. Anyway, I hope everybody's got the holiday spirit. we got a lot to talk about on today's show because a number of things have happened this past week. And one of them is the uh, passing of Charlie Munger, who was Warren Buffett's investment partner. Charlie was a pretty interesting guy, right? He was a very, very colorful. <laughs> colorful interesting is the correct word to describe, to describe <laughs> Mr. Munger. He's an under, understatement, interesting, yeah, but he had some unique ideas on things, and, you know, a lot of them were a little controversial, but I think a lot of them made a lot of sense. Honestly, I think if we really look back at it, Jeff, what he had was historical basis of common sense moves right. for investing. You know, today, sometimes I scratch my head, I look around, and I look at what people invest in, and I go... Companies do have to make money eventually, yep. right? Yeah, it's like Shark Tank. How do I make money? Yeah. And so he was pretty blunt about what he believed 
And uh, quite frankly, I looked at several of his quotes that through history, you know, over the last 50 years, or I think they were, they were partners for what, almost 60 years in right. business. Yeah. They met like in their, maybe their mid thirties, I want to say is when they met, you know, Charlie uh, had great things to say about Warren. And there's even some really interesting quotes. If you go out and look from Warren about, you know, what he felt about Charlie and how he said, you know, he could have never done what he's done without the knowledge and the wisdom of Charlie Munger. And so just a great guy and really a straight shooter. And I used to always love just if I knew he was going to be on an interview somewhere, I just had to watch. I couldn't help it. I feel like he could have been from Bradleyville. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of great people came from Bradleyville. (laughs) We know that, don't we? (laughs) Don't we, Randy? Anyway, in college, we do. In college and in the Army, I'm reading this, that Charlie Munger developed an important skill, and that was card playing. He used this in his approach to business. He says, what you have to learn is to fold early when the odds are against you, or if you have a big edge, back it heavily because you don't get a big edge often. Opportunity comes, but it doesn't come often, so seize it when it does come. He also used the card analogy to explain his approach to investing. He maintained that treating the shares of a company like baseball cards is a losing strategy because it requires one to predict the behavior of often irrational and emotional human beings. I really find that some pretty good advice there. What do you guys think? Well, you have to always look back at what at what Warren Buffett would say. Well, you know, Randy, we believe in buying good companies with good balance sheets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And buying when blood is running in the street. That was one of my favorite ones, too, is Mm -hmm. that, you know, certainly that's one of the basic tenets is to buy low and sell high. Yeah, we buy good businesses, he would say. Rest in peace, Charlie Munger. You taught us a lot, and I'm sure that history will uh, recognize Charlie as the years go by as one of the the greater investors that ever lived. Also in the news, gold and cryptocurrency, they're on a little bit of a run these days. Yeah, I was watching uh, Squawk Box earlier this week, and I can't remember what that guy's name was, Pafalavagus or Slafalavagus or anyway... He was talking about, you know, he says, youngsters want to buy a hard asset like crypto. What? Yeah, that's kind of what my thought process <laughs> is. I guess, a you know, if, vir- if virtual reality is a hard asset, which I haven't really bought into quite yet. Well, neither has I, anybody else, really. I mean, it's, I guess it's I've been talking about it for three years, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's just something out there. I mean, it's something that's in the ether. I mean, isn't that one of the cryptocurrencies that has to do with ether? But you, you can't hold it. You can't touch it. You can't smell it. Mm-hmm. So what did Charlie Munger call it? He's he called it. I'm not sure that that we can say that. On okay, the air. I think is okay. what he called it. I think I think it's BS. Yeah. I think is what he called it. Yeah, there's a thing uh, called or something the, similar to that. Thing called the FCC, Randy. I'll explain that to you later. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I think most of our listeners know what we're talking about here. I'll tell you what's interesting, Jeff. Is you know it is gaining some momentum. I think people want to believe in it because. You know, it's been volatile and there's the promise and and we've seen in the past that people became, you know, multimillionaires by buying it. And so it's it's definitely a speculative thing. And you better retirees probably don't have any business in there at all. Or if they do, it might be one or two percent of their portfolio just because it is so volatile and it you know, doesn't pay a dividend. It's just really can be a dead drag on your performance during retirement. Well, I think the reason it's moving right now, too, is on the news of Grayscale's ETF potentially becoming an actual ETF from the Bitcoin trust that it is right now. The legitimacy around Bitcoin potentially changing over the next little bit regulation-wise is really what it's got it running, as well as the idea that interest rates may be coming down because Bitcoin is a digital commodity, basically, Mm -hmm. right? Like gold. And so gold's running for the same reason on interest rates recently. 
you know, we'll see if it has staying power or not. The jolts number last week, so that's the job openings number, so it plummeted, which means that people are getting laid off and job openings are being closed and things like that. So we're starting to see some weakness for the first time in a while in the jobs market. You know, they may be onto something here. I think, you know, if interest rates start to come back down, and we'll talk more about interest rates in the next segment, but if they do, there's definitely several implications as to as to what history has shown comes next. Yeah, it's the most wonderful time of the year you're fired. I mean, I don't know why that happens at this time of the year, but I guess it's because they're looking at balance sheets and they want to start off the, the year with a better balance sheet. And when you shed employees, I guess that goes to the bottom line right away. So unfortunately, there are some people who are losing their jobs. And Spotify was one of the companies that I saw that were shedding some 17% of their employees. It just goes with the territory these days. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd here of Floyd Financial Group. Our show is called Show Me the Money, and we're talking about current events, including Charlie Munger's passing, gold and cryptocurrency. What's going on with the oil market these days, guys? There's quite a bit of weakness in the in the oil markets, and a lot of it's due to some of the decisions that OPEC has been making, which is you know the governing body on how much how much oil is allowed to flow uh, into markets, so that there's not too much supply or too little supply. You know, I talk to people all the time that are concerned about inflation being sticky, meaning it's going to be around for a while and it's going to be hard to get rid of. Some people's memories are a little short that we had basically no inflation. We were struggling to get to 2% for the previous 15 years. I do think that looking forward, there's one really easy way to fix the inflation problem. Donald Trump said it during his, uh, his town hall event. Uh, he was asked the question, you know, what would you do tomorrow to fix inflation in this country. He said, drill, baby, drill. Mm. You know, he's right. Regardless how you feel about Donald Trump, you know, if we were to drill oil, which we have massive abundance of in this country, we have oil everywhere. In fact, we're one of the most oil-rich nations on the planet, but this president insists on getting it from Saudi Arabia instead of our backyard through virtue signaling, saying that, you know, we don't want to drill for it. Although the United States is the cleanest driller of oil on the planet, so it would actually be better for the environment to do it here than it would be to outsource it to other places. All that being said, if oil goes down to $40 a barrel, and it's currently around 70 75 you know that would be a huge tailwind to getting inflation to come down. Uh, because oil is an input of almost everything, whether it's directly in the product or whether it's used to ship the product. You know, oil, oil is a big reason for why prices are high. Uh, there's no reason for that, and that's a very easy, quick fix if we just get the right leadership in office. And I do want to talk about inflation versus deflation and disinflation in the next segment, so we'll hold that off until then. But I also don't want to wrap up this segment before recognizing the fact that we also had another passing of an important human being in American history, and that is Henry Kissinger. Yeah, the guy made it to age 100. I would have probably, back if I was looking at him in the, at him in the mid-70s, I would have said, this guy's going to be dead soon. Somebody's yeah. going to kill him. <laughs> but they but they never did, you know. So not that I'm saying I wish they had or anything. I'm just saying that I just would have thought that because of the situations that he was, you know, in with China and then over in the Middle East, all the negotiations and stuff that he was involved in in the diplomacy that wasn't very popular at the time. I would have right. sure thought he wouldn't have made it that long, but a great uh, human being and diplomat for sure. Yeah, and a negotiator. I remember him with the uh, China situation with Richard Nixon too. So he did a lot for this country and may he rest in peace, Henry Kissinger. 
We're talking about current events with Randy and Jake here of Floyd Financial Group. And before we continue, gentlemen, I want to take just a moment to remind our listeners how they can have a conversation with you to ask their questions about what's going on in the economy today and how it affects their retirement journey. If you need answers and request your no cost, no obligation and no judgment, Floyd Financial Group Retirement Review by calling 417-889-7233. Again, 417-889-7233. When you call, you'll get a friendly voice on the other end of the line, more than likely Ashley, who will gather some basic information from you, then set you up with a conversation with Jake or Randy to create that path towards a successful retirement. Now, you can call this weekend if you want. Simply leave your information and Ashley will give you a call back on Monday. Now, remember, once again, it's not going to cost you a dime and it could put you on a path, though, for a retirement that could last 30 years. You want to thrive in that retirement, not just survive. Again, it's 417-889-7233 or you can request your complimentary consultation online at Floyd financialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. If you're like most Americans, health care is expected to be one of your largest expenses in retirement. Health care costs will likely consume a large portion of your retirement budget, and you need a plan for that. This is Randy Floyd from Floyd Financial Group. The pandemic has been hard on Americans nearing and in retirement, but there are likely other obstacles coming. It's crucial to have a comprehensive retirement plan for the future because the pandemic won't be the last retirement challenge you'll face. Between rising health care costs and the fact that an estimated 70% of today's retirees will need long-term care, overall costs could be much higher. At Floyd Financial Group, we'll work to create a comprehensive retirement plan that factors in all these expenses. We take the time to thoroughly explore your retirement needs, no matter what stage of life you're in. Call Floyd Financial Group at 417-889-7233 and learn about our complete retirement investment strategy. That's 417-889-7233 or visit floydfinancialgroup.com. Advisory services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. Ready for another helping of some more real money talk? Thought so. Now, here's another serving of Show Me the Money, with your hosts, Randy and Jake Floyd, with Jeff Shea. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about what's been a dirty word for a while, bonds, (laughs) B-O-N-D-S. Are they back? And with what's going on in the world, interest rates and deflation, disinflation, you know, how does that all play into maybe bonds being a good investment potentially in the future? So I want to start off with uh, investigating inflation versus deflation. And I've got an article in front of me, gentlemen, which says the U.S. sees deflation for the first time in three years, paving the way for the Fed's 2% inflation goal. So first off, what is the definition of deflation versus disinflation? Yeah, so that's a good question. And I've been talking with people about this quite a bit here. So, you know, we had inflation at its peak of around what they're saying is 9.1, I think, percent is what they say it was at the max. And that's inflationary, you know, 9% pace or 9.1% per annum pace of going up. So that's inflation. So disinflation would be, well, now they're saying that the inflation rate is right around 3.4, I think, annualized is what they're saying. While we're still not deflating, deflation is where we actually go below the norm. Where prices are actually going down. Right now what's happening is inflation is just 3.4% versus 9.1. So we're in a disinflationary period. We're starting to maybe get it under control. And that is going to kind of play into why bonds now with interest rates as they are might be a viable asset looking forward here for a time. 
All right. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that we're in a disinflationary period. However, this article that I'm reading says that we're in a deflationary period for the first time in three years. So what do you make of that difference of opinion? The article's wrong. No. <laughs> so everything you see or read is not necessarily true, and this particular one is patently wrong, you're saying? Yeah. By definition, we are not in a deflationary period because prices are still going up. They're just going up by less than they were going up before. However, there are a few segments where we're seeing actual prices come down. So, for example, the relative price of used vehicles. They kind of hit a peak probably mid-last year. And so we're starting to see where used vehicles is coming down a little bit because of the availability of new vehicles and used vehicles. That's one example of where we're maybe seeing some deflation. But on the metrics across the board, we're really still seeing disinflation. However, I do think there's a very fine line between disinflation and deflation. You know, the longer the Fed keeps interest rates high, the more likely we are to see deflation in the somewhat near future. So one other thing I would throw out here, Jake, is the fact that probably we are in a deflationary period in housing. The latest that I read was year to date or year over year, we're down about 18%. Now, that does not mean that everywhere you go in the country, housing prices are less 18% than they were a year ago. I would challenge you to say that if you're living in Texas right now and you live in the Dallas area, mm -hmm. you're not experiencing any deflation in housing right now. In fact, I know that to be a case, the case because I've kind of helped my sister and she's just purchased a new place down there. Right. There's definitely no deflation in housing prices there. However, in other parts of the country and as a whole, there is definitely a deflationary thing going on with real estate and that may only be getting started. But, you know, everybody I talk to when they come into the office here, they're saying, you know, everything at the store just keeps going up. And then we've mm -hmm. talked about this thing called shrinkflation. Right. And I'll tell you, I noticed it just the other day. We like to buy this butterball ground turkey. Yeah. Right? We like I... ground turkey to make taco meat and stuff with. Absolutely. Well, that used to be a 19-ounce package. Now it's a 16-ounce package. And it's the same price. Yep. <laughs> I noticed that, too. We buy the same thing. And I think Jake had mentioned, too, with his chips. I mean, he buys this bag and he opens it up and it's like two-thirds of the way air or something like that, right? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah we call it shrinkflation. I think yeah. that is uh, the name of the game. I think that's also why we see some of these numbers that we know are incorrect. The fact that the government says that prices are up basically 15% over the last two and a half years is total garbage, right? That's because they're pricing a bag of Doritos the same way, even though there's less in it. Well, some settling does occur. Right. Well, you know that, Randy, because you were in the food business. There's always an answer for everything there. Some does, settling does, does occurs. Does more settling occur now than used to, is the question? Yeah. We're in a dissettling phase. Okay. Well, well, you know, they, they want you to follow the science, and the science suggests that the mass of something does okay. not change. All right. uh, so having less ounces doesn't, doesn't work. So. Yeah. I would say we're probably in an unsettling situation at this point. But let's talk about how inflation and deflation or disinflation, whatever you want to call it, does affect the bond market. Are bonds really back in the mix as an asset class, do you think? Let's talk about the correlation between interest rates and bond prices and kind of how that equates to economies. So when we look at bonds back over our shoulder, and I'm talking about in the last five, six years, but really since 1981, 
up until 2020, what we saw was interest rates, that's bond rates, which ultimately 10-year treasuries and things like that controlled the mortgage rates. We saw Mm -hmm. all that stuff come down, 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 down until what, maybe November, December of 21, we got down to like 2.29% was the average mortgage rate. And that was because 10-year treasury bills were, you know, they were yielding one to 2%. And banks would take a little margin on top of that, you know, maybe, like I said, two and a half, three, three and a half percent, depending on what a person's credit rating was. So bonds were very low yielding. Money was virtually free to borrow. And then we got into this situation where we printed all this money, put it in the system, and then things became inflationary. So the Fed goes out and starts raising interest rates, try to slow down the economy. People saw this and the markets were reacting negatively. And so they went out and they started purchasing these bonds at four and 5% that are now short term. We can get two month bonds mm-hmm. at four and a half and 5%. We're used to, we were getting 10 year bonds at one and 2%. And so bonds were really not a very good investment for a long time because as interest rates go up, any bond that you bought last week, last year, last month are worth less than you paid. Now you still get your your interest payments. I'm gonna get that always, but the value of my bond is now down because if a person can go down the road and buy a similar bond and get 20, 30, 40, or $50 a year on that $1,000, that's what they're gonna do. They're not gonna to wanna to buy my bond. So I have to discount my bond to make it yield what the current value is. So now let's talk about where we are today. So let's say I go out and I can buy a two-year bond at 5%. As rates start to tick down, which we think next year rates will start to tick down, that bond that I now earn is going to hold its value and actually be worth more than I paid for it while I'm still getting a higher interest rate payout than I could have before. What that really tells us is, is looking forward here, I would say bonds in the range of two to five years probably have, looking forward, some pretty significant upside, meaning if I paid $1,000 for it, but you might end up you know, making 20% on that bond rather than holding it four or five years to get that 20%. You might make it in the next six, eight, 10, 12 months if you want to divest of that and head back to the market. And why would you want to do that? Because as interest rates come down, People are going to go back to the market. There's $5.6 trillion that we know of sitting around in money market funds right now today. So as you said, interest rates are coming down a little bit, or they're actually coming down significantly, depending upon which sector that you look at. And if I'm understanding you correctly, it's sort of an inverse situation in that when interest rates go down, bond values go up. When interest rates go up, bond values go down. Would that be a simplistic way to look at it, or is that too simplistic? You said it really well. I just went the convoluted route. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just tried to break it down. I thought, well, gosh, he says this, and it seems like it looks complicated, but it really breaks down to being quite simple, right? It absolutely is, actually. But again, sometimes what we see at face value doesn't make sense until you kind of get underneath it. So I wanted to just kind of go underneath the hood there just a little bit to see the engine. Right. So that's what the uh, whole goal of the show here is to raise the hood and take a look at what's under there and what really makes this motor work. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. We've been talking about inflation. We've been talking about bonds. So for the long haul, I mean, bonds go up and down. If somebody has some time, though, I would probably think that bonds should always be in someone's portfolio. Wrong or right answer? So let's look at it. Looking back over our shoulder here, if I own bonds at a one or a two percent yield, 
I'm at low interest rates. What are the chances that rates are going to continue to go lower? I mean, they could go somewhat lower, but not a whole lot. And so my potential to make any return other than just the interest rate I'm collecting goes way down. But now, now that we have inflated interest rates, even on two-year treasuries and, and bonds, now the downside potential for interest rates is really there, right? To go back down to maybe four, three, maybe even two, two and a half. Well, when that happens, I'm going to get appreciation. So we're just in a much better position now to own those bonds than we have been in the last five to seven years, I would say. What this is called is it's called a market value adjustment. Everything's all, all markets are always adjusting, right? Whether it be the cattle market, the wheat market, the car market, the housing market, all these things are different markets and different things affect pricing. If you never change that, markets would work very efficiently to find whatever's right based on supply and demand, right? Right. But the problem we've had here of late is the fact that the Federal Reserve likes to get in everybody's business mm. and, yeah. and change the game. I'm not saying that, that the Federal Reserve doesn't have a role in maybe trying to control some of this stuff, but I don't know. And Jake knows this about me. I'm kind of one of those free market buyer beware type people. You know, my dad sent me out one time to buy a pickup. We, had, we used to have an apple orchard up in Washington, and he said, mm -hmm. Randy, it's time you got your own pickup here, he said, so you can run over. Because we bought another orchard. We had about 61 acres one place, another 50 another place. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to go over and run the other 50 acres. And he said, now go down there. He says, here's some money. Go down there and get you a pickup. And he said to me this, don't get skinned. Mm. Now, that's country for don't get taken advantage of. Yeah, so what did I do? I went right down there. And I got skinned. <laughs> and I've never, ever forgotten it. Yeah. And so buyer beware works for me because now I scrutinize everything before I make that decision. Right. And yeah. that's the only way you get ahead is making those mistakes. And especially when you're buying a vehicle like that, yeah, there are many ways that you can get, you know, no pun intended, taken for a ride. So the guy put sawdust in the rear end because oh my the rear gosh. end was about to, about to go you're out of it. You're kidding. And he had it completely full of STP oil treatment, so it didn't oh my smoke. Gosh. But as soon as the oil went down about a quart <laughs> in about 500 miles, and I put oil in it, it was smoking, and the rear end went out. So oh my I got skinned yeah, that, that, big time. That, my father, is the very definition of getting skinned. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten that those tactics existed. My gosh. I'd heard of that before, but I didn't know that anybody actually did it, so... Buyer beware, <laughs> do your research, be an informed consumer. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd here at Floyd Financial Group. Our bonds back in the mix is an asset class. I think our consensus is yes for the time being. If you have questions about bonds, we invite you to call us and request your complimentary retirement review. Just a friendly conversation between you and Jake and Randy that'll cover a whole wide range of topics based on your individual situation so you can proactively adjust your financial plan to address your retirement journey and also any blind spots that may hinder you from meeting your goals. Again, no cost, no obligation for this, no judgment. Randy and Jake will meet you where you are. That number, 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233. 
You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. If you're just joining us, this is Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd. I'm Jeff Shade, and we've just finished discussing bonds and current events. If you want to hear the show again, don't worry. We're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcast. Search for Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd. You'll get this show and all of our past shows so that you can stay on top of your wealth, your journey towards a successful retirement. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a look at the outlook for 2024 for retirement and more when our show continues here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. When you're driving, you know how important it is to keep your hands on the wheel and stay focused. When it comes to your retirement journey, does it seem like your financial advisor is asleep at the wheel? Hi, this is Jake Floyd at Floyd Financial Group. As advisors, we're focused and in control of your wealth management and retirement planning. Every day, we scan the financial horizon for hazards, as well as opportunities to help ensure your retirement journey is as smooth as it can be. Each plan we design is individually tailored to your wants, your needs, and your goals. You're unique, so why shouldn't your plan be? We have the right tools and experience to help you thrive in retirement, not just survive. If you'd like to see how we can help you, call us for a no-cost, no-obligation, and most importantly, no-judgment financial review. Call 417-889-7233. That's 417-889-7233. You can also request your complimentary review online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Investment advisory services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. Are you giving your Social Security dollars back to the government? It happens every day to people who don't have an effective Social Security strategy. The right plan for accessing your Social Security benefits can mean tens of thousands of dollars to you and your spouse's retirement income. Don't make the costly mistake of being unprepared in retirement. Call Floyd Financial Group now for a free Social Security optimization report. Take advantage of proven strategies to help maximize your Social Security benefits. Call 877-889-PLAN today to learn more. 877-889-7526. We're back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money Radio with your hosts, Randy Floyd, Jake Floyd, and Jeff Shade. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money, and in this segment, we're going to be talking about what's the retirement outlook for 2024. And Randy, I know that you have a crystal ball because I sent it to you because you used to say, now I don't have a crystal ball, so I decided to send you one. And darn it, the darn thing doesn't work. So let's use our best guesses here. What are some of the factors uh, that would shape the 2024 retirement landscape, do you think? So it might be easier to say what wouldn't. Okay, let's start there then. Let's go with the negative and then work our way to the positive stuff. I like that. You want the bad news or the good news first? Give me the bad news. <laughs> what, I, what I mean is, is there's so much at play out there right now that more than, than usual. It's really difficult. Here we are, you know, we're coming up on a, on a presidential election year. We've got probably one of the most contested muddled up yeah contentious situations uh, we've ever seen here right so right and really what i'm talking about is who are the republicans going to nominate to run for president now i will tell you what i'm hearing we try not to get you know really political on here but and i don't i don't really want to do that today but i do say this people do believe that donald trump is going to get the republican nomination okay and purely from a standpoint of markets and investing I would say that that would be a good thing because people are still looking back over their shoulder, remembering what happened when he was elected president, and we had basically a 60% rally in four years in the market. 
because of policies he put in place, tax cuts and deregulated several things so people could actually do business again and that sort of thing. But really, let's let's look differently, not politically only, at what the outlook is for 2024. So we've run a long ways down the inflation path. We're starting to get inflation a little bit more under control. People are liking that. One of the headwinds that we have is, though, is we're seeing that people are laying off people more and more. We've kind of alluded to this earlier in the show. If money dries up, economies are going to contract, and that could be bad for earnings of companies. But I do want to say this on the front end. We have retired people in all kinds of financial weather during 7, 8, and 9, the last financial crisis. We still were retiring people. In 2000, people were still retiring. 2001, 2002. The worst of the worst, people have always been able to retire. What we need to do is sit down with people and look at where they are, look at what their requirements are, or what they feel like their budgetary needs are in retirement. And then we need to build a portfolio or build a plan that's maybe you know somewhere a year to five years out ahead of time to engineer a plan that's going to work for them. And we can retire people in any kind of weather. We had people retiring in early 2020, when COVID came on, February mm-hmm. of 2020, I had this gentleman come in. I just remember it very well. And he looked at me square and he said, can I retire now in light of what's going on? And I said, absolutely, you can. We just have to make sure that when we build retirement plans, you know, the sun doesn't shine every day. Some days it rains. Mm-hmm. Some days it snows. We got to be ready for any type of financial storm in the retirement plans that we do. And that's what we do here at Floyd Financial Group. I do believe that it can look very, very good in 2024. But again, you, as you've said, I, I have a crystal ball. It doesn't work. It's, non, it's non-functional. <laughs> I've yet to find one of those that actually is that accurate, but I'll keep looking for you. What you just said really makes sense no matter what the year is. And I guess the question is, is retirement or planning for retirement in 2024, is it really that much different than it would be for planning for retirement in 2023 or 2025? Yeah. You know, I rely a lot upon things that my dad, my granddad, and my grandma used to say. And people say, well, you know, what did they know? Because honestly, my dad didn't graduate high school, Mm -hmm. and my granddad went to third grade. His dad died at age six, and he became the man of the family. And then my grandma Maggard, she lost her husband uh, in his early 60s, and Mm. she was a Baptist minister for 60 years. Oh, my gosh. You know, so they didn't have any real big formal education. But what they did have was they had experience and they had street smarts. Right. Just because they had had been there and done that. So when we build retirement plans, we're going to allude to is one of the things my dad always said. Randy, plan for the worst and hope and work for the best. And I've just relied upon that my entire life. I know things are going to go wrong. You can count on it. This is an imperfect world. But that doesn't mean we can't plan for those, but we can also plan for the good stuff as well. And by doing that and keeping that in mind, so, you know, it goes back to the old saying, you know, above all, take a risk, but only take the risk you can stand, right? And so that's what we do here. We build retirement portfolios around what people's needs are. We develop risk portfolios based on what is the minimum risk we can take to support the lifestyle and the income goals of the clients we're serving. And that's just good common sense. And I think that's what your ancestors had, your parents and your grandparents. 
was good common sense, and I can relate to that as well, too. My mother was from, I don't know whether you call it Appalachia or Appalachia or whatever, but yeah, she graduated from the seventh grade, but she had tremendous common sense. And when she would tell me things when I was in my 20s, I thought, well, you're just old. You don't know. Now that I'm in my 60s, I realize that she really did know what she was talking about. So you've got to use some common sense in doing these retirement plans. In 2024, as far as Social Security goes and the challenges that we're going to be having here with the presidential election, of course, we have uh, inflation coming down, whether it's deflation or disinflation. Does any of that affect the common sense approach to retirement planning? Here, we don't think there's any bad asset out there. It's just what's the timing for the use of the asset class. So right now, let's think about it. So next year, if if we continue to see inflation get pushed down, which I think we will, then that means that Jerome Powell at some point is going to be forced to reduce interest rates. So if we have a reasonable amount of bonds in our portfolio, we could see a really good positive move, an actual return above and beyond the interest rate in bonds next year. Now, that doesn't mean we sit there and we hold them forever. We got to be watching what's happening and seeing when that curve down of him pushing interest rates down starts to flatten. And as it's, as he starts to push it down, how much of that money is leaving the bond market and how much of that is flowing over to the equities market? The stock market is always the predictor of the future. It's looking down the road, trying to price in all that's going on today. It's not to say there's always a time where the current asset class we're in may become more valuable or less valuable. And that's kind of what we have to look at based on what's going on in business, what's going on with interest rates, what's going on with inflation, and figure out the mix there. So we just can't set a retirement plan and forget it. We have to look at all these moving parts all the time and figure out what's our next move and how do we de-risk the portfolio in times that are really bad and how do we put ourselves in a position to do well when markets and asset classes are working to our favor. Randy, I know that you've been doing this for about 30 years or so. You've seen up and down markets over that period of time. You've retired people in all markets. So again, is there one common theme? I mean, is there ever a market situation where you would suggest that someone not retire, that they should keep working until things are better? That's a very deep question, actually, Jeff, because everybody's situation is so different. So I have people that, you know, they come in they're they're going to spend in retirement one or 2% of their investable income per year. And then I have people that come in that need to spend 10% of their investment income per year. Knowing what those situations are and they're individualized and knowing what people really need will affect drastically what our advice is to them as far as retirement goes. But when we start just looking down the road at what markets are, the situation right now, let's say the, the person is 65, they're ready to retire, they're wanting to turn on Social Security, they're sick and tired of working, or maybe their health is failing, and they're just ready to retire. I'm going to say there's not really a market that we would say, no, you just can't retire. That's not saying that they're going to you know, retire and be kicking $100 bills around on the floor because there's excess cash everywhere. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is we can always get people retired. In the worst of situations that we've seen, we can always get people retired. 
you know, over the long haul, if we look at what type of returns we can get from equities and what we can get from bonds and just historically, we know this, if we set people up with a reasonable amount of withdrawal, four or 5% of their investable assets, we know that we can really survive just about any storm. And the reason we know that we can look back over our shoulder the last 60, 70 years, and there's only been one time that we had three negative years in a row, and that was 2000, 2001, and 2002, and that was just the stock market, that we had those three negative years. Again, if somebody is only drawing 5% against their assets, we can recover them because we didn't outspend our budget. We didn't overspend, and we didn't get ourselves in a position where we've talked about Mr. Green and Mr. Brown before, the fact that we had some negative returns early on, we didn't bury ourselves so bad by overdrawing on the accounts that we can't recover. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd here, Floyd Financial Group. We've been talking about what the outlook for retirement is in 2024. And I think the consensus or the takeaway from this conversation is that it's not that much different than retiring in 2023 or almost any time. It just comes down to what your needs are, your wants, your goals are. And then using common sense, and one of the things I got from this, too, is taking a look at risk and trying to reduce the amount of risk that you have in a retirement plan. If you would like to ask that question that everybody asks Randy or Jake, am I going to be okay? Can I retire? Well, you can do that by calling 417-889-7233 and requesting your no-cost, no-obligation, no-judgment Floyd Financial Group Retirement Review. Again, 417-889-7233. It's not going to cost you a dime. And when you get in there, nobody's going to be shining the bright light in your eyes and putting the thumb down on you and saying, listen, are you ready to sign? Can you do it right now? It doesn't work that way. It's just a friendly conversation to find out who you are, what your needs, your hopes, your goals, and your dreams are for retirement. And for you to ask Randy, who are you all about? And ask Jake, what can you do to help me get to the retirement that I need? Again, no cost and no obligation. We invite you to do it this weekend, 417-889-7233. You can also request your retirement plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Gentlemen, time for a break. When we come back, we'll wrap it all up here on Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Planning for that big family vacation can sometimes seem overwhelming. Now imagine what it must be like planning out a retirement that could last 30 years. Hi, this is Jake Floyd at Floyd Financial Group. We've been taking planning for retirement off the shoulders of people like you for more than 20 years. We assess what you have and design a plan that's broken down into bite-sized pieces so you understand how your money is going to work for you. Our plans help account for inflation, an uncertain market, and just the what-ifs that happen in all of our lives. And because we operate by the fiduciary standard, your interests are put ahead of ours. If you'd like to have a retirement that happens for you, not to you, call us for a no-cost, no-obligation, and most importantly, no-judgment retirement review. Call 417-889-7233. That's 417-889-7233 or request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Investment advisory services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money. Because we're back with more straight talk and honest answers with Randy Floyd, Jake Floyd, and Jeff Shea. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, to wrap up today, we're going to be talking about five simple tax tips to wrap up 2023 and maybe save yourself some hard-earned tax dollars. And that is uh, certainly the goal, I think, of everybody. I love talking about taxes because nobody likes them, but 
We certainly do have some strategies for you here at Floyd Financial Group where we can reduce your tax obligation. Now, if you wait until the new year, you might miss out on some valuable tax planning strategies. So let's talk about some of the things that you need to know before closing out 2023. What would you say is the first thing at the top of the list? Well, for those people that are still working, the biggest thing is let's make sure that we are funding our 401k, 403b, 457 thrift plan, or whatever it is you're involved in, at least to the match for sure that your company does. But also, if you're in a position where you're making a lot of money right now, you may want to consider really ramping up some final contributions for the end of the year, especially if you're one of those folks, if you're making a pretty good dollar right now, and it's costing you in the 35 to 40% range of every dollar that you're making right now, you really need to max fund your 401k because that will pay you big dividends for sure. That's the first thing I would look at. And if you're self-employed or if you don't have a 401k, be sure you've maxed out your tax deductions through your IRA funding. So max out as much as you can employer retirement plan contributions. Bottom line is max out what you can save for retirement. Very good first advice there. What would you say is the second one on the list here? So if you're an investor and you have money in a brokerage account outside of an IRA or outside of your 401k retirement plans, right now could be a good time to do tax loss harvesting. So what does that mean? It basically says, if I have some winners and losers, what I want to do is determine what I might want to sell out of the winners because I think those may be pumped up as high as they should go. But also let's look at some losers that we might sell that would offset the gain. But remember, you got to have it 12 months for it to be a long term. Otherwise, It's just ordinary income is what it looks like. So uh, if you don't have a tax advisor or if you don't have somebody that can help you with that, give us a call. We'll be happy to help you uh, figure that out. And you can do that. I mean, don't wait till the last minute. Do it now. But you can do that right up to the last day of the year. Is there any limit to the amount of tax losses that you can harvest, though? No, just depends on what your setup is uh, inside your account. So, uh, yeah, by all means, I would say, you know, it's pretty easy to do. But again, it can get a little complex. And if you've never done it, people probably need some guidance. I would say also, Jeff, that there is a limit to how much you can offset each year if you do not have corresponding gains to offset. So you can take $3,000 per year off of your taxable income if you do not have gain that you need to offset. Now, you can save up that tax loss. You know, let's say you have $50,000 worth of loss. You can roll that forward each year until you either have gain to offset it or you exhaust it at $3,000 a year, just to be clear. Okay, so the first thing we want to do here for 2024 is max out our contributions. And the second for investors uh, is to consider tax loss harvesting. So where do we go from here? The things that we look at from here is looking down the road, depending on how old you are and you know what your income scenario is, determines a lot of things here. So if you're a youngster right now and you're funding uh, retirement plans, I would tell you, unless you're probably north of the 24% tax bracket, you might want to consider funding a Roth IRA, knowing that down the road it's going to pay you big dividends long term. If you get north of that 24, 25% number, you need to probably have a talk with a, a tax advisor as to how to go about investing. And it may be a combination of things that you need to do looking forward as to what your taxable income is going to be in retirement. Uh, the other thing is, let's make sure that we're using tax-efficient vehicles. If it's outside a retirement plan where we can 
really try to carry forward any gains long term and maybe realize those in a metered portion looking forward. In other words, rather than lump sum taking a big tax hit, how do we divvy that out over time to spread out the taxability of that money? So there's just a lot of things that come into play if you're into municipal bonds and like to use those things. You know, again, depending on your tax bracket, they can or cannot make sense for you. It just depends. So I would say, again, if you have questions about this, by all means, give us a call. We'll be happy to sit down with you and help you figure out an efficient tax strategy looking forward. And again, that number to call, 417-889-7233. Tis the season of giving. Of course, we want to do it all year round, but I would think the next one is to maximize your charitable giving tax opportunities at this time of the year. For sure. So, you know, giving to charity, let's say that you're at the age where you have to take money out of your retirement accounts that require minimum distribution. If that's the case for you, you can do what's called QCDs. That's a qualified charitable distribution. And what that does is it bypasses your tax rolls. Uh, The checks cut directly to the charity needs to be a 501c3. We want to verify that they are, in fact, uh, that a charity recognized by the government so that you get your your tax benefit there. The other thing I would say is, you know, you can if you want to give money to your family and make some donations to them, maybe for a college fund for your grandkids Mm -hmm. or maybe just to set some money aside for your kids, you can do that. One of the things that's always kind of uh, interesting, people say, well, how much can I give without taxes? Well, if you take money out of an IRA or some type of a qualified retirement plan, you're always going to pay the taxes on that. If you take money out of a brokerage account or out of a bank account where you've already paid taxes on it, as you give that money to your kids, you can do up to 17000 this year, 18000 in 2024 per child, per husband, per wife. Mm-hmm. You can give that to your family and not have to file a gift tax return. Now, let's be clear about it. If you give them 20000 it doesn't mean that you have to pay the taxes on 20000 because you've already paid that if it came out of a non-retirement type account. All it means is you don't have to file the Form 709 if you keep it to 17000 in 2023 or 18000 in 2024. And you mentioned earlier about giving directly to charities, uh, things like the Qualified Charitable Distribution Fund, that sort of thing. What you wouldn't want to do is take income from an asset, put it in your name, and then donate it to the charity. You want to donate it directly from where it is to the charity so you can bypass your tax obligations on that. Would that be a correct statement? That is a correct statement. Let's move on. And then you talked about charitable giving uh, to your family. Now, we've got a grandchild who is 18 months old, and, you know, we want to donate to his college fund. That is part of the Christmas gift that we give him, in addition to other little things that he would like to play with. I've heard about setting up a 529 college investment plan. Some people don't like those. Why would you not want to do a 529 plan as far as, you know, funding a child's education? Jeff, 529s can be very restrictive, both with what you can invest in, but also how you get the money out. So let's say that you, you know, you fund this for your children and they get scholarships. They're smart. You know, they get grants and scholarships. You don't need that money. Well, now you're stuck with this 529 plan that can be very difficult to divest yourself of. I can think of one gentleman that has uh, quite a large uh, six-figure plus 529 plan that he's trying to figure out how to get out of without paying a boatload of taxes. It can be good, but it still shows up on your FAFSA too. Um, So like if you have a bunch of money sitting over there, it can preclude you from getting grants and all that kind of thing. So there's very... In my opinion, there's very few reasons to set up a 529 because the downfalls of it tend to outweigh the benefits, uh, in my opinion. That doesn't mean it never makes sense, 
but uh, I think 529 plans are one of those things that's been oversold over the years. Now at 18 months of age, Gavin is his name, our grandchild, 18 months. I mean, he plays with a basketball. He knows how to do that. And uh, seems to be a pretty bright kid, but there's no guarantee that he is going to be able to get an athletic scholarship, probably going to get an intellectual scholarship because he's a smart little kid there. But what you're saying is that if he does get these scholarships and we do put money into the 529, if he doesn't need that 529 money, that it's not going to be easy to just convert that back to cash without some sort of tax implications. Would that be about right? The thing to remember on the 529 plan, too, is, you know, once they hit the age of majority, depending on what state it is, 18 or 21, you're going to lose control of that fund. And then if they don't use it for qualified education expense, they are going to pay taxes on all the gain. Whereas if they use it for qualified education expense, they get it out all the gain tax free. So you get a little bit of tax help here in Missouri when you fund a 529 at the state level. Nothing at the federal level, though. It's just not that great a deal at the end of the day because it's very restrictive. I'd rather do an UGMA, which is a Uniform Gift to Minors Act account, which gives me control of the money until they get to the age of majority. And then we can help them with figuring out how to spend that money. And it doesn't have to be spent on qualified education expense alone. So if somebody has a 529 plan right now and they've listened to you and they say, you know, I want to change that to an UGMA, can they do that this early in the game? 529 plan is maybe three or four months old. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly do that and you won't have enough recognizable gain in there to really hurt anything or you wouldn't have taken enough harvesting as far as taxes go to make any difference. So I would not worry that much about that. All right. So at this time of the year, people are thinking about what they can do towards the end of the year to uh, save on taxes. End of year tax tips to set up a successful 2024 is what we've been talking about. And when it comes to taxes, of course, you have a great synergistic relationship with Mr. Rod Link there at Floyd Financial Group. Now, Rod's in the office at least once a week, right, to sit down and answer questions directly from clients? Yeah, that's correct, Jeff. He has another business, as we've talked about on here, but he does uh, you know, help us a lot with tax advice and figuring out good tax planning for our clients here. And yes, he's in here generally on Thursdays, and he's certainly available for us to talk to at any time and bounce tax situations off him. So tax is very important when it comes to retirement plan, and Rod Link certainly is worth his weight in gold at Floyd Financial Group. Now, Rod's not missing, is he? He's not the missing link. Mr. Rod is always available. You can always pick up the phone and find him, right? Well, we'll have to have Rod on one of these days to talk about taxes. Of course, this is Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd. We certainly appreciate you being with us today. We have covered so much information on our show. If you've just joined us, remember we are also a podcast. Simply go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for Randy and Jake Floyd's Show Me the Money. You'll find this show and uh, many of our past shows so that you can stay on top of your wealth and your journey towards retirement. Well, gentlemen, the clock says we're out of time for this week. So for Randy and Jake Floyd, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. Be safe out there. We'll talk again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. The information provided in the preceding program is for educational purposes only and are not intended as investment advice for any individual or entity. All information contained herein believed to be from reliable sources, however, we make no representations as to its completeness or accuracy. The opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not constitute financial, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your financial professional before executing any financial strategy. Financial planning offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC, an investment advisor registered in the state of Missouri.